0: So glad to have all of you this morning. Glad to have you watching online. My name's Chad. For those of you that haven't got a chance to meet yet, my wife Dawn and I are the pastors here, so it's great to hang out with you. We've been talking about Game changer series. We're going to do that again today, but I want to start off just a little bit of throwing myself under the bus. You guys, anybody else ever forgot what day it was? So last night, for some reason, I had it in my head that today was Father's Day. Maybe it's because I was wanting it to be Father's Day, and maybe I was wanting a present or something, or just affection, or just some thank you for being the best dad in the world. I'm not sure, but anyway, I just had it in my head that it was Father's Day, and, and uh, so anyway, we, we came home and, and uh, said, hey, let's do a quick video, you know, just inviting everybody to church tomorrow, and shout out to the dads, and so I had just three of my uh, younger kids with me, and so Two out of the three were game for doing the video, one of them not so much, didn't want to be on camera, and so uh, we start to do the video, go through it, record it, you know, everything's great, I'm pumped about it, I post it (laughs) on social media, (laughs) then I get a phone call, hey, it's not Father's Day tomorrow, oh. Okay, so I hurry up get off to delete it, then my phone starts blowing up with text messages, hey, it's not Father's Day, so, (laughs) hey, next week's Father's Day, so you want to be a, (laughs) make sure and come out for that. We got some special for all all of the dads, we'll give it to them next week, not this week, we we were a week ahead, so it's always good to be early, but we're talking about being game changers, so. If you want to get your sermon notes out, you can get on your YouVersion Bible app. The sermon notes are available for you there as well. Let's open up our Bibles to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, Game Changers. We're talking about being a game changer. And I I was going to start a new series on the Holy Spirit this week. I know that's what I said last week. And that was my intention until Monday rolled around. And I felt like God was saying, hey, I I want you to go back and I want you to bring more clarity to the vision of the name change, why we're doing it, what God told us, what our vision is, where we're going. And so I just felt like that's what he was telling me to do. So here we are. We're going to come back and jump into it again and give us a little bit more clarity on what God's doing in this season and, and a little bit of the specifics on the why. The word game changer, the words game changer, that phrase, I gave you the definition of that. and If you look at there in your notes You can follow along with me, and it tells you what a game changer is. Uh, Let me get to it myself. Here a game changer is a new event or idea or action that shifts or completely changes the entire course of an existing situation or changes the way of thinking or doing something. So it's a new event. Everybody say new. new. If you're going to be a game changer or you're going to embrace a game changer, you have to embrace new things a hush comes over the crowd. I hope online you're more excited than they are here in the room about new things. I didn't say you have to like new things. I didn't say you even have to understand new things, but you have to be able to embrace new things. Because a game changer truly is that. It's something new. It's something that happens that changes the game in an industry or in a in a way of doing that we embrace new all the time in the world we embrace new technologies every day we embrace new ideas in the business world or we we embrace new ways of doing things we're we're learning new leadership principles at work or the office or we're sending people to training Uh, for our work, for our jobs, so they can learn new ways of managing or new ways of working with the new product or we've got a new product rollout, and so we need to go train the employees. We deal with new all the time. We embrace new. We like new phones. You can still have your flip phone if you want. It doesn't mean the flip phone is evil. It just means that there are new things that you won't experience if you hang on to your flip phone. You're like, I don't want to experience those things. That's totally fine. You don't have to. But we've got to realize in in Christianity and the church, too many times we're late to the game when God says, "I want to do something new." then we've got to move with what God's wanting to do and embrace that new thing that God's giving us. And that's what part of being a game changer is, is we're going to be a new event, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing something. This is the way things are going. I don't like the way they're going. I'm going to have to implement a new thought, a new action, a new idea. If I want different results, I've got to have different methods. See, in the church, we've got to re- remember that we never change the message of the gospel. It's the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and what our Bible, the gospel, it's all the same. But the methods on how to reach those people, have we have to be willing to change. Just because it worked for me and my dad and my grandpa doesn't mean it will work for my grandkids. And as a person at your stage of life, you have to understand and embrace I want my grandkids to be reached. So you start thinking, what will reach my kids or my grandkids more so than what do I like? What will reach them with the gospel? How can the church grow for my grandkids? That's got to be my heart right now. I'm embracing things now to say, God, what's going to touch my grandkids? How are they going to come to know Jesus? And so we're looking at things through different lenses. Things are happening around us all the time. I was watching the NBA Finals the other night. Regardless of what team you root for, I was just watching it, and the thing that jumped out to me was that it was sponsored by. The NBA Finals were sponsored by YouTube TV. It wasn't that many years ago that that would be a strange thing, YouTube TV TV. I'm not talking about just the place where you post videos. I'm talking about YouTube television. We're going to be showing this on YouTube, but YouTube is changing. Google bought YouTube, and so now YouTube is wanting to expand and go into the greater market and revolutionize how we watch television. You don't have to like it, you don't even have to understand it, but it's coming. And you can either get out in front of that parade or you can get mad about that parade. Here's what happens too many times. The church has had a parade of how we do things and we want to keep doing them for decades and decades and all of a sudden people start leaving our parade because they want new methods, new systems, technologies, different new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things, and people are getting mad because they're leaving their parade instead of taking the message and getting out in front of the parade that's already formed. And this is how we want to evolve and change and figure out how to do it. So being a game changer involves two types of game changers, something that happens to you and something that happens through you. In our life, what we're wanting to do and what I'm going to challenge you with today, is for you as a believer, as a son or daughter of God, or if you're not born again or you're watching on TV, you're not a follower of Christ, I want to encourage people, to embrace the idea of letting a game changer happen happen through them instead of always wanting something to happen to them. It's a discouraging life when we're always walking around wanting something to happen to us. I've walked through this in my life, times in my life where I've been like, you know, I just wish somebody would do something to me. I wish someone would speak a good word over me and encourage me. I wish someone would bless me or give me something. Oh, Lord, is this the day that someone's going to happen to me? I wish... If that person would pray for me, that conference, that service, one more of this, one more of that, oh, my life would change if that would happen to me. And it's a roller coaster ride sometimes because we think one thing that's going to happen to you is separating you from where God wants you to be. But I want to encourage you, once you get born again, once you accept Christ into your life, nothing else needs to happen to you. Everything is on the inside of you. Now, maturity when things start happening through us. Your Bible calls it Christ in you, the hope of glory. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside. Now we're learning, God, what is in me and how can I let it flow, flow through me? So now we're not looking for more external touches. We're looking for more internal release. How can I be a blessing to people around me? How can I be a game changer for someone else? So we're gonna talk about what that means. We've done in our series the first week, second week, third week we talked about being a game changing church and I laid out the new name and the vision. We, we had that launch and I gave the scripture, Acts 20, 28 says, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he pur- purchased with his own blood. And I talked about being a shepherd, and one of the great responsibilities and and being a shepherd is that one of some of the guidelines of a shepherd is to make sure is to make sure they're fed, protected, guide them. You know, we had the word given about a shepherd there in the message and so and during the worship service. And it's about a shepherd's job is to know where to feed the sheep when it's time to move the sheep to know what's coming, to bring protection, bring guidance. That's the shepherd's job. And as a shepherd in this role as a pastor, one of my assignments is to make sure I'm hearing from God for where he wants the church to go and, and where he wants to lead us. And so this is why during the, the prayer and fasting time of this year, the 17th day, I told you that, that God spoke to me during our prayer and fasting time. And he said in, in prayer, the Rhodes Church. And I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? You know, I wasn't really thinking. I wasn't praying and fasting for a new name for the church. I really wasn't. It wasn't like one of my top ten agenda items. It wasn't even top 20. It wasn't on the list. It wasn't, well, I'll get down to that. I really want to change the name. It wasn't even on my list. And he said, the Rhodes Church. And then I said, I need a scripture, God. I, I haven't eaten in a while, so it could be a wild thought. I, I want more validation. And he said, Isaiah 49. Have you found it? Isaiah 49. I'm going to be reading out of the message translation because I, what I feel like God wants us to talk about is what it means to be a game-changing church. When I talk about game-changing church, I'm talking about two things. One, I'm talking about church universal, the big C. The church being the body of Christ as a whole. That we remember it's not just about us, it's about all the followers of Jesus. Being a game church is also about your local body of what are you going to do? How can we be a game-changing church? And I want to encourage you this. A game-changing church is not a game-changing building. A game-changing church is not a game-changing organization. A game-changing church is a group of game-changing people. Because game changing does not just happen on Sunday. It happens on Monday through Saturday. Everywhere we go, we are all game changers moving around to our circles of influence impacting the world around us. So this is what God's calling us to do. And Isaiah 49, he gave me two things out of the scripture. I'll give you those first and then I'll start reading the scripture. He gave me the vision statement for the church, connecting people with Jesus from all roads of life. Connecting people with Jesus from all roads of life. That's the one before that, I believe. There it is. Connecting people with Jesus from all roads of life. So now the goal is, and this people said, okay, wait a minute, the, the name of the roads, are you saying there's many roads to God, like New Age? No, that's not what we're saying. The idea behind it is that every person, we're all on different roads of life. Our goal is to connect people with Him. No matter what road they're on, if they're not on the church road, we still want to connect them with Jesus. And once they connect with Jesus, he is the only road and only way to the Father. So it's all the roads of life. Our goal is not for you to come and like our church, come get connected with our church. We want to connect you with Jesus. And if you'll get connected with Jesus, he'll help you work out the rest of your life. Too many times we want to, all right, come into church, get your act together, get behaving right, stop doing all these bad things, and then you can get connected with Jesus. No, I want them to get connected with Jesus right in the middle of sin. Who better to guide them out of a sinful life than the great shepherd? Who, who better to give them... I don't want that kind of ownership on myself that just come to our church first and I'll show you how to live and then we'll connect you to Jesus. How about you get connected with Jesus and watch him start to change you from the inside out? So from all roads of life. That's why we're going to reach people that are not, uh, we're going to be, start looking to open our thinking on how we reach people. I'll get into more of that later. So the mission on how we're going to do that, three ways that we're going to talk about connecting people Getting people connected, developing leaders and impacting culture. How are we going to connect people, to Jesus, from all roads of life? We're going to do it by connecting people. We're going to do it by developing leaders and impacting culture. So let's go to verse 8. Here's what Isaiah 49, verse 8. When the time's ripe, I answer you. When victory's due, I help you. I talked about this a little bit in the timing on why is God saying change the name, change vision now? Why now? Why not five years ago? Why not five years from now? What's wrong? With where we were. What's wrong with our name? We didn't get rid of cross because we're less spiritual. For people that thought, oh, you took the cross out of it, not every church is named Cross Church. Not every church has Bible in its title. We didn't become less spiritual. This is just what God was telling us in this vision. He said, the time is right because Crossroads. Somebody showed me after the first service another church in the area. Uh, that's na- in the southern Illinois area, this name Crossroads. It's just a very common name. And so we knew as God was expanding our vision to go from one church in one location to multiple locations that we were going to have to be unique in name. We didn't know what it was, and that's where, again, Isaiah 49 will explain that. So the time's right. This is the time because we're getting ready. We've got Mount Carmel, getting ready to open, hopefully as soon as possible. We're still renovating, working on that. That's why you need to sign up for the work day out at the Welcome Center. Be a part of that so you can get in, help us do that. And I just want to encourage you right now and say thank you that we're reaching into other communities because this body of believers caught the vision of God, caught the dream of God, and said, yes, I'm willing to share and expand and reach out to something bigger than myself. That's a huge, God bless you to you that's being part of that. So the time is right. When the victory's due, I help you. And look what he goes on to say in that verse I form you and use you to reconnect the people with me. Hear this direction. This is you. He's not talking to the church and you're sitting back listening to something about some church. No, you are the church. You're the church. So this is God talking to you. He's saying, I form you and I use you to reconnect people with me. So let's break that down. I form you first. I form you. Here's what the word form means, to shape or mold into a certain state after a particular model. So he's forming us, he's shaping us, he's molding us. We've got to allow God to form us into who he wants us to be. Let me encourage you this way and say it this way. You're, um, how do I want to say it? The speed and the extent to which you're formed. Let me touch this first. Look what he says, after a particular model. What model are we being formed after? What after? What model? Romans 8, 29 says this, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That son is, means Jesus. Who's he conforming us into the image of? The image of Jesus. Who are, what is the particular model that he's forming us after? He's not forming us after our neighbor. He's wanting to form us after Jesus. He's not, not wanting to form me after every other man so that I'll measure myself against every other man and give myself a pass when I find men that I'm better than. Oh, come on. I, you're not forming yourself after every other woman so you find other women. You say, oh, well, I'm better than them so I can relax. He's forming you in comparison to Jesus. So the bar is up there. Go get it. Go get it. Well, I can't ever be like Jesus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why does he call us Christians like Christ. He's never going to ask us to be something that he's not going to empower us to be. Am I perfect? Am I like Jesus? Not in every area of my life, but I'm a whole lot more like Jesus in some areas than I used to be. A whole lot more like Jesus in some areas. there's some areas I'm like, man, that's a that's a lot better and that's what God wants to do. He wants to grow you in it. He's forming you. second Corinthians 3:18 but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. here we go are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Here's what I believe I believe. We expect so little out of ourselves, we get so little results. And I'm saying this to myself. I believe we embrace our humanity more than we embrace our spirituality. I'll talk about myself so you don't feel bad about him. I I'll embrace my humanity as a pass to let myself off the hook to not have great expectations. To maybe, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just Chad. I'm just, a, I'm, just a low, I'm just a person. What can I do? And I feel God saying sometimes, when you're done with that little party you're throwing, I'd like to invite you into sonship. That I gave my son for you, and I put my spirit within you. So when you get done with your little party, then get your Bible out and remember what I said you can do through me but we measure ourselves against other people and we, we, we say low expectation. He says, listen, I'm forming you into the image of Christ. Not to say we're better than anybody else, but to say he who's in us is greater than he that's in the world. So I'm going to form you. The first priority is got to form you. I'm going to form you in the image of Christ. So let me say this what I started to say earlier. The, the speed and the extent to which we are formed into the image of Christ has to do with how willing we are to let him form us. Some people tell you, well, you'll just become whatever God wants you to become. No, you won't. (gasps) I'm just telling you, if you will not cooperate with the will of God, you will not embrace the will of God. You will not become the will of God. If I will not cooperate with what God wants me to do, I will not be formed into the man he wants me to become. All throughout the Bible, you see people that God had this plan for them, this will for them, but they did not obey. And when they did not obey, he could not form them in the way he wanted to form them. So if we want to be formed in the image of Christ, we got to be soft and pliable. You know the verse in the Bible that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the, delight, the desires of your heart. You know, sometimes we translate that just be happy about God and he'll give you whatever you want. That's not what it means. I wish it did. I'd be happy every day. (laughs) Happy, happy, happy. Give me whatever I want. The word delight in the Hebrew means to be soft and pliable. It's like silly putty. I'm a lot of silly putty. Silly putty, if we're going to be formed, then we got to be soft. How many knows that hard things can't easily be molded? You got to be soft before God. In other words, you got to be willing to change. you got to be willing to say yes to this and no to that. you got to be soft. And so he says, I'm forming you. Let, let me go on. I'm going to have time for that. I form you and then I use you. I use you. How many times have we ever said this? Hey, say, God, I want to be used by you. You don't have to raise your hand. We might even sing that. Say, I want to be used by God. Lord, use me. Use me. Isaiah said this way, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, here am I, send me. I want to challenge game-changing people right now, whether you're watching online or right here, to say this, God, here am I, send me. Don't send my neighbor, don't send anybody else, send me. Who wants to be used by God? I know in church it sounds like something we would all say, amen, brother, amen. I want to be used by God. Let me tell you what used means before you say yes, before you shout me down. The word use means to put into action or service. So you're saying this, God, put me into action or service. Come on, put me in, God. I'm ready to play. Put me in. See, a game changer wants to be in the game. A game changer wants to be playing. I recognize we get tired at times. And if you played in sports, you may be you know, get, in a, get in a time of the game where you get tired and you need a breather. All right, you go to the bench, you need to sit down, catch your breath, you know, get yourself together, get a drink, get rehydrated, you know, whatever it may be. But a true gamer is sitting at the coaches down here. A true gamer is sitting on the bench. They're either sitting right beside the coach or they're sitting in vision of the coach. They're like, yo, I'm ready. Put me back in. Hey, yo, coach, I'm ready. Co- coach, coach. Or unless you're LeBron, you just check yourself in the game whenever you're ready. But the idea is a gamer doesn't permanently set out. Here's what I see too many times in the body of Christ. We get tired and we want a break. We want a breather. And that breather turns into weeks, turns into months, turns into years. And all of a sudden we're not using our gifts for the kingdom because we needed a break. Hey, get your breather. Catch your breath and get back in the game. What's your group? What's your team? Who are you serving? How, what are you doing to help build the kingdom of God? Well, I was tired. I just felt like they used me. I just felt like they used me. I know. Welcome to the team. We prayed that, that you used me to put into action. Look what else it says. To carry out a purpose or action by means of to utilize. Are we allowing God to utilize our gifts and talents? Or are we telling him when we'll use them and when we won't? Are we, are we saying, God, here's what you gave me. You name the place, you name the time, I'm there. Or is it, um, God, I'll let you know when I'm free. I'm kind of tired right now. I'm in a season of my life where I'm just, you know, I need to take a step back. And I'm just evaluating myself. I've got a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get back with you when I'm available. I know I'm not talking to any of you. I'm just talk, talking about myself. He says, listen, I, I want to utilize you. And look at the last part. I love this part of the definition. To expend or consume by putting to use. How many's ever been consumed by God? We would say, God, consume me. <laughs> you know what that means? It means he's used you up. I just feel like I've poured out all that I have. But, you know, if we will say, God, who, we've got to just say at one point, God, I want to go all in. I want, I want to be used by you. Then that means I leave it all out. In sports, we'll use this phrase, leave it on the field, leave it on the court. What does that mean? You don't put any in your reserve tank and think, well, I just don't want to go all out because I might be tired afterwards. You let it all out. This is what I'm saying. Are we leaving any on the table before we go to heaven? Are we saving anything? What are we saving it for? I felt like God said this to me a couple. uh, See, it was a couple weeks ago. He's like Chad. What are you waiting for? What are you? What are you waiting for? Just tell me what you're waiting for. I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting. You know. You know. There's that, and then there's. uh, I'm waiting. You know, I'm just waiting for some, a lot of waiting. <laughs> what are you going to answer God? It's like a trap question. What he was saying, is what feeling are you waiting for to tell yourself and convince yourself to go all out? What, what feeling are you waiting for? Are you waiting to feel better? Are you waiting to feel more anointed? Are you waiting to feel more appreciated? Are you waiting to feel more needed? Just tell me what you're waiting for. And I realized in that moment that I had nothing to offer. In other words, you got everything now. I've given you everything now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do. Let's get in the game. Let's get back in the game. If you're set out for a while, you got your breather, then let's go. You got gifts and talents that nobody else can do, you're unique. That's what God's saying to us. He said, I'm going to form you, and then I'm going to use you. So get ready. So you well, I just feel used. (laughs) I know it's a great prayer. Use me. Go all in. Look what he forms you and uses you for, though. I form you and use you for this purpose, to reconnect the people with me. This is what the vision he gave us. It's what he's telling us for the church. It's what I'm challenging you with, what I believe God's saying to you. I want to form you and use you for this purpose, to reconnect people with me. Too many times I feel like in the church world, and I grew up in the church so I understand this concept, people think that spiritual things are the responsibility of spiritual employees. Like people that have that job, you do the spiritual things. I just want to come to church, hear a good sermon, and then I want to go back to my world. And I'll be back next Sunday for some more spiritual stuff. But God's saying, I've formed you And I want to use you, every single person watching online or sitting, with one purpose, to reconnect people with me. Well, I don't work at a church. You don't have to work at a church. Connect people at the factory. Connect people at school. Connect people in the warehouse. Connect people in the office. I'm going to form you and use you for one thing, to connect people with Jesus. That's what he's wanting us to do. So now I realize that he's forming me and using me for something that's not even about me. I would at least like him to form me and use me so that I will benefit. I want to form you and use you so I can raise you up to a great place. That's not what he said. I want to form you and use you just to reconnect people with me. So he's asking, are you in for this? Are you in for I want to form you and use you so I can take that person that's not you and connect them to me. That's your job. So then we realize that it's not about me. It's about them. So can we have a church that understands the vision that's not about us, it's about them? They realize that, hey, the sole purpose is to connect people with Jesus. But here's the good news. Because you might be saying, well, what about me? That's what I say to God. What about me, Lord? I just pour it out everywhere and I'm just giving and giving. And what about me? Who's going to give it to me? You know, we can get in that mode and that idea and that thought. And it may not be that dramatic, but the thoughts are still there. But how many knows this? If you run water through a pipe, there is zero chance of that pipe getting dry. But the water is not for the pipe. The water is for the destination, but that pipe will never be dry as long as water's running through it. So you get the benefit of being used by God. If you'll allow God to flow through you, you'll never be dry. He will supply all your needs. He says, I know you got needs, Chad, and I'm going to supply all those needs. I just want you to connect people with me. Connect people with me. I form you and use you to connect people with me. That's what he said. He said, I want you to connect people to me, not repel people from me. (laughs) Lord, what that means is. See, look what, oh, let me read 2 Corinthians 5:18. says this, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given all of us the ministry of connecting people to Jesus. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins to them, and has committed to us. What's he, what job's he given us? The word of reconciliation. Now then, check this out. This part's important. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. I grew up as a royal ambassador. Ambassadors for Christ. Listen to this part. As though, are you hearing me? Listen to this. God were pleading through us. Do you know to your coworkers and your friends and your family members, God is pleading to them through you? Your life, my life, is supposed to be something, a represent, representation of God pleading through us to draw them, to connect them to Jesus, not my life being such an example that it repels them. Here's what I'm saying. Our relationship with Christ and Christianity better go beyond Sundays. It's good to come in a church building. We need to come in church. We need to come in and worship and grow in our relationship with God. But how about at the ball game? Does my relationship with God connect them to Jesus, or does it repel them? How about my relationship with the teacher that I'm talking to about my kid, or the coworker that I'm talking to? Does my relationship make them say, "Oh man, there's something different about them. They're a Christian," or does it make them say, "Ooh, I thought they were a Christian. I thought they went to church." God's pleading through us, so we got to live it. We got to connect people with Him. Let's go on. We got time we got to move on. Look at the next part. It says to put the land in order to resettle families on the ruined properties. This is some of the vision, what he's telling us to help reach and develop some of the poorest counties in Illinois are all around us. And this part of the scripture that he's giving me is to spiritually help people for us as an assignment to receive their spiritual inheritance. For people to be resettled, uh, the resettle of the families on ruined properties. Even the spiritual analogies of people receiving their possession, their inheritance that Jesus died to give them. This is what he's wanting. Verse 9 I tell prisoners, come on out. You're free. And those huddled in fear, it's all right. It's safe now. Listen to what God's wanting us to tell prisoners. Those who are in bondage to addiction, to different, bondage to different thoughts, different ways that, are, that have them tra- uh, trapped in their hearts, tell prisoners, come on out. You're free. This is the message of God is to give freedom. Look what Isaiah 61 says, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This is the message that God's wanting us to give to our friends, to our family. Do you know, I I believe this in my heart, the, the, the extent of freedom that we walk in will determine the extent of the freedom that we can provide for people. I don't need to pursue more freedom in my own life just for me. I've got to keep pursuing more freedom because there's other people that are going to be affected by what happens in my life. So this is why God's asking us to do it. Look, go in verse 9. It says, there will be food stands along all the roads. This is what uh, where the title, the name change came from, the roads. There will be food stands along all the roads and picnics on the hills. Picnics represent a pleasant enjoyable experience. We want church to be a pleasant, enjoyable experience. But look what it says. There will be food stands all along the roads. Two things God spoke to me. He said, Jed, I want you to feed people spiritually, and I want you to feed them naturally. So here's what I'm asking you to believe with for me. God's expanding our vision from our food pantry to feed people all over the region. I don't know how, but I know he's already spoken to some people that are wanting to partner with that and wanting to do their part to bring in food, farmers wanting to get involved. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know this. God wants us to see and think about trucks. I'm talking about shipping trucks like semi-containers full of food. I'm talking about to different locations. God's asking us to think big. There's going to be each one of our locations going to be a food stand that people can feed from spiritually and naturally. I don't know how it's going to come about. I don't know all the details to it yet, but I'm just dreaming with God. How does he want to feed people? Because there's going to be a need for food in our country. And whenever they come, it's just like in Egypt. When When Joseph came and he gave him the wisdom on how to save up the grain, everybody came to that one place. And I believe once you come and they're looking for food in the natural, you can give them the spiritual food as well. Food stands along all the roads. Verse 10, nobody hungry, nobody thirsty, shade from the sun, shelter from the wind, for the compassionate one guides them and takes them to the best springs. I give you a scripture in, in Revelation 7 there, you need to follow along with that, but this is what, notice what God is saying. Nobody hungry, nobody thirsty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. Here's the vision of heaven for you. What he's given you as a game changing church, what he's speaking into your heart, are you willing to make this where nobody's hungry, nobody's thirsty on your watch? Do you have something to provide. Well, that's too big. The need's too big. My God's too big. How can we do it? I don't know. It's beyond me. It's, it's beyond my capability. It's beyond my way of thinking. But I'm just asking God, is there some game changer you want to do in the earth? Here we are. Send us. Send us. Send us to do the impossible. Send us to do something that everyone else says can't be done. Eastbound and down, load them up in trucking. Verse verse 11, look what he says, I'll make all my mountains into roads, turn them into a superhighway. The word mountains there, check this out. He says, I'll make all my mountains into roads. That word mountains was talking about the seven mountains of influence in society. I, call, I did a series called The Circles of Influence. You need to get it and listen to it. I go into detail on each one of these mountains. But here's here are the mountains of influence. Family, religion and faith, education, government and law, media, news and commentary, arts and entertainment, business and economics. He says, I'll make all my mountains into roads. And that roads just means an access way or a place to travel. Here's what God's saying to us. He said, Not everybody's coming into church and we're going to develop leaders. We're not developing leaders so they'll just be leaders in the church. He says, I'm wanting to develop leaders in all of the mountains of influence so that we will have access and roads into bringing kingdom dynamics into every area. So that in a location, in a church location, I don't want us to only have influence. I believe God's saying, I don't want you to only have influence on just the religion or faith circle. Or the religion or faith mountain. How many knows we need kingdom edu- and kingdom influence in the education mountain, in the media mountain, in the arts and entertainment, in the business and economics? Too long the church has sat in the religion mountain and complained about the other mountains when we needed to send people into those mountains and bring the kingdom of God to it. We're not trying to build a kingdom around the religion and faith mountain. That's just one of them. Not everybody's supposed to be a preacher. Not everybody's supposed to be a praise and worship leader or teach a Sunday school class. It's not just about that. It's about who's going to go into the media market, into the media mountain, and bring kingdom dynamics and bring change. Who's going to be elected as mayor over a city and bring the influence of the kingdom? Who's going to be the school teachers that walk into a school building and say, I'm bringing kingdom dynamics? Many of you are doing it already. This is what God's asking us, mountains of influence. Look in the, he says, I'm going to make it a super highway. It's going to be fast. Verse 12, look, these coming from far countries and those out of the north, these streaming in from the west and those from all the way down the Nile, all of little Egypt, southern Illinois. Get ready, southern Illinois. Not because there aren't already great churches there. Remember, we're not emphasizing that we're going because there's not something there currently. We're going there to add to what's there currently. We're going there to partner with and be part of the big sea, the big kingdom of God. Because we want to see people get connected with Jesus from all roads of life. All the way down the Nile, heavens raise the roof. Earth, wake the dead. Mountains, send up cheers. God has comforted his people and he has tenderly nursed his beaten up, beaten down People, here's what I hear God saying to us as a church through this. And again, there's, I had to chop some of it out just because of time's sake. But we want to get people connected with Jesus from all roads of life, and we're going to do it by connecting people, developing leaders, and impacting culture. How are we going to impact culture? We're going to do it by that last part when each and every one of us says, "I'll do my part to go into my area of influence. I'll go into my school, I'll go into my job, and I will be a light." Of Jesus Christ. I'll let my life. I will let God plead through me. I will be an ambassador. I'll be a representative. I'll be the one. I'll say, here am I. Use me. Use me. Here's what I believe. See, God is asking us to. Go into these. We're going to hopefully start Mount Carmel as soon as possible. Well, then we need more leaders because some of the leaders here are going to be used to transplant and train leaders there and other communities. I already had two calls this weekend, this week, about buildings in two other communities. People asking, are you going to come into this community? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just praying, saying, God, do whatever. But I'm just encouraging you as a church. Are you ready to lead people? Where are the leaders? Where are the leaders? I want us to have such an army of people that never once is there a spot vacant to serve. There's no vacancy. Our doors are covered with hospitality people. We've got people, our children's ministry, they're stacked up with people wanting to serve. Why? Because we say, use me, use me because I know it's not about me and I know there's a person I'm trying to get connected with because we're going to go lead other people. We're going to re- reach into other areas, so we need more leaders here so we can develop more leaders there. You're like, "Ah, oh, they got plenty of people here." No, we don't. We need more. Why? Because the vision is greater. All roads of life, all roads man, I could get I'm talking about this a long time. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to ask the Lord right now that simple verse that I've got it on my phone every day that I look at it when I hit my button. It says, I form you and use you to connect people with me. So I want you to pray, just bow your heads with me and I want you to ask the Lord, form me and use me to connect people with you. Like Chad, I'm not really a preacher or I'm not really, it doesn't matter, that's your job. Are you in, are you all in? let's do it let's go for it let's see God reach people let's see God touch this region let's see God use this little town in southern Illinois to do something greater than any of us not because it's about us because it's not it's about his kingdom God wants his sons and daughters saved. He wants them connected. He wants their lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. He wants them transformed. He wants them walking in their inheritance. He wants them to experience everything that Jesus died to give them. And he's simply asking, who will help me? Will you help me do that? Will you help me fulfill my vision to see all my sons and daughters come to know the saving love of Jesus Christ and to become who I created them to be? I want them to experience everything that I have for them. So will you help me? Will you let me form you? Will you let me use you to experience that in your life?